we're here with St. Henry legend Scott Brunswick from the early 1990s uh, St. Henry ultra successful um, program uh, which continues on today in multiple sports. Scott, welcome to the show. How are you, man? Kurt, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to talk some sports with you. Well, you know, I, I told you this earlier when we talked on the phone. It, it doesn't matter, you know, who I'm talking to, if they have any, you know, uh, sports history knowledge in Ohio. They, they ultimately always want to talk about or ask about your teams from the early 90s. Um, especially when people were talking small school powers. So, you know, like since, since the, you know, the time you graduated there um, in, in 91, I know you went on to, to do some really good things at the college level. What, what have you been doing since then? Uh, 30 years have passed. <laughs> 30 years have passed. There's been a lot of things that have took place and, uh, you know, I, I was a school teacher for several years and uh, actually did some uh, odd and end jobs. And I did a lot of sales work. I did um, work for a beauty company doing sales. I worked for a packaging company doing sales. Okay. And now currently I have a recruiting company, which I uh, do personal training with as well. So okay. I, lo I love doing the personal training and being active with the kids. It's really an awesome opportunity. Well, let me, let me set it up for you this way, because... Um, you know, a lot of people maybe have heard of St. Henry. They know that they're, that they've been good and in different sports from football to basketball to volleyball and, and baseball and different things. But, you know, a lot of times when you say the name St. Henry, uh, just to give you kind of a, an idea of what people from the other part of the state, and this is when you played, it was prior to, to the internet and, and social media and all those things, but um, a buddy of mine said he was walking out of, of St. John Arena with, uh, with a guy, uh, a mutual uh, person we know, and he walked out. You, you had just blasted somebody. I, I think it was maybe Richmondale Southeastern. And, yeah, I remember that game. And uh, his comment to my buddy was, I can't stand those cheating Catholics. And uh, my buddy looked at him and said, hey, man, uh, St. Henry's not a, that's, that's a town. Uh, so a lot of times people have an idea that think you are a private school when St. Henry is actually a town. So what, what was it like, or what is it like growing up and living in St. Henry, Ohio? Well, I think the biggest thing that you get from St. Henry, Ohio is you get a lot of great people. Number one, I mean, you know, at night you don't have to lock your doors. You know, you can sit and everybody knows everybody, and there's a lot of great communications within the community, and everybody stands behind you. And I think when you get a good basketball team, football team, volleyball team, what have you, you get that foundation of support from everyone in the community. So when as a, as a kid growing up, you're always striving to succeed, and you always want to accomplish what the, the, the teams did, you know, before you. So, and yeah, that, that's kind of the – the stereotype is, oh, St. Henry's a Catholic school. No, it's just a town. And uh, it's kind of funny when people say that, because that used to happen to me a lot of times. Catholic schools, how many kids did you recruit in your class? Well, zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's – I have, you know, people 
I grew up on the eastern part of the state, so most of those people have never uh, been to St. Henry. Uh, is Does it still have, like, two stoplights there? Or, or... We do. We have okay. two stoplights. That's exactly right. what we have, and a few bars and a big church in the middle of the town, so that's what we have there in a school. So it's a, a small community, maybe 25, 2,600 people. Now, is is Fishmo's still going? It is. Fishmo's is still going. It's one of the sports bars in town, and uh, yeah, they have a lot of, well, they just re- remodeled here recently and used to have all the memorabilia. That, that'll be coming back up here shortly. I heard Thursdays was the place to be there, uh, lunch special at uh, Fishmo's. They're very famous for their lunch special, but especially, you're right, on Thursdays, Kurt, they had uh, these chicken dinners that were homemade, and you can't beat it. And, and <laughs> about five bucks, you get <laughs> chicken dinner and, and corn and mashed potatoes and, a, and coleslaw or you know, a salad for five bucks, and you couldn't beat it. Uh-huh. I'll have to try that out sometime. Absolutely. (laughs) So, you know, as a kid, I'm sure growing up um, in a a town like that, uh, you know, there was a lot of athletic success before you got to high school. Uh, Of course, the the 79 team that went undefeated uh, with, uh, was it Mike Post and Chuck Stahl and Gary Will? Uh, Wasn't it Jim Lachey on that team as well? That is correct. And then um, I think there was a, a good team in 83 that got upset by Holgate, uh, I want to say maybe in the regionals. And yeah, that, yep. So, you know, growing up, I, I'm sure that, you know, you guys saw a lot of uh, good uh, teams and, and kids that you were probably trying to emulate and, and hoping to to have that type of success as well. Was that, was that kind of the, the way it was? Yeah, in actuality, it was. The 1979 team was an undefeated team. My brother-in-law, it's kind of ironic you say that, is Mike Post. So, okay. uh, yeah, Mike had 35 points in the state finals against Stansfield St. Peter's. And I remember being a, a little six, seven-year-old kid at the time. And Mike would come over. He was dating my sister. And I always would go outside wanting to play basketball with him. And so I kind of emulated my game a lot after Mike. And, um you know, and then, of course, Chuck Stahl was a great shooter. And they had a lot of great players on that team. And like you said, Jim Lachey, I think, if I'm not mistaken, was a sophomore on that team and, uh, you know, went on to be a star in the NFL. And, and so you're right. And then the 83 team with Chris Stuckey and Tim Dresch, you know, those guys were really good. And you're right, they got upset by, by Holgate in the regionals. Otherwise, there could have been another banner up in the gymnasium, if you will. So, so you guys get into high school there um, at the start of the, what, 87, 88 season. Um, and then, obviously, your your first two, your freshman, sophomore years, you, you don't win the state. That what, what was it? I mean, were you guys playing young? I mean, I know it wasn't like a, a, a thing that people were doing a lot of in, in those days to play young kids. On varsity, were you guys were you guys in the mix, or were you guys playing JV at the time? Well, when I was a freshman, I, I started on the JV team, and then the my sophomore year, I played varsity um, and JV, and uh, we had a bunch of seniors uh, that played. And, and, and you're right, Kurt. Back in the day, it, it was I, I do, I, pecking order is probably a, a, a better 
for lack of a better term, that's kind of how things went. So the seniors got a little, little priority. And so I lettered as a sophomore, but didn't start. And then, you know, my junior and senior year, a bunch of us were able to play. And I know Bob Wing actually started as a sophomore and stuff. But for the most part, it was a senior-laden team when we were sophomores. So we, we, we didn't uh, get all the minutes that we probably wanted to have uh, because I think, you know, we, we felt like maybe we could have got, got three in a row potentially, you know. Now I'm assuming as sophomores, the JV team was pretty good. Yeah, our, our freshman year we were twenty and zero, uh, and our sophomore year we were twenty and zero. So we didn't lose a game, and and uh, it was it's kind of funny because we would always practice a lot of times against the varsity guys and whatnot. And usually, I, I we probably won most of those most of those meetings. So it was, uh, I think a lot of people in the town were excited with what was coming up. And those couple of years, they were really ready and eager for us to showcase their talents at, at the varsity level. And, and, you know, we had a mission, our mission from the time we were fourth and fifth graders, Kevin Niekamp, one of my best friends, his dad was Mike Niekamp. He was our fourth and fifth grade Kiwanis coach. And he said, yeah, I expect at least two state titles from you guys. <laughs> because I've been, I've been, I've been doing this a long time, and he said I expect at least two from you guys, and but we are fortunate enough to win one our junior year, and then you know go back to back and win our senior year as well. Do you remember or recall who who beat you guys, who knocked you out of the tournament uh, as sophomores? Yeah, it was it was Antwerp, as a matter of fact. Okay, and uh, they had a really nice team, and. Um, we had some things that night didn't go our way, and it was a nip and tuck ball game. But you know, things didn't go very well. But if I'm not mistaken, it was Antwerp that year that got us. So you played for a guy that is in the Ohio High School Basketball Coaches Hall of Fame, uh, in Fran Gilball, and uh, this guy did a lot of winning at St. Twenty league titles, twenty sectional titles, seven districts, three state championships. Uh, I think he retired after the '99 season. Um, yes. What What was it like? I mean, I, I've read some stuff, but what What was it like? What type of coach was he? Yeah, look at Coach Gilbert. He was He was a guy that did a lot of coaches during the week, and he said on game night, you know, you guys are prepared for what you saw during game, you know, what you saw during the week, you're physically ready, you're mentally ready. Now go out there and execute. You know, don't let me, the one thing I loved about Coach Gilbert is he said, the one thing he said the first game of the year, he says, guys, don't let me get in your way. Don't let me get in your way. Don't, I'm not going to try to out, out coach anybody. I'm not going to try to tell you too much because you're the type of team that I want you to just freelance out there and, and do the things that you're capable of, of doing. And, you know, that's what I loved about playing for Coach Gilbert was it was it was very fun. You know, a lot of people would always ask me, say, what was – if you could say one thing about playing basketball at Henry, what would it be? And I got one answer, and that's fun. You know, it was exciting. You know, game nights, we were ready, and he kept it so loose. There was as much pressure as the people maybe in the community put on us as far as wanting to win state titles. Coach Gilbert never did that. He said, guys, you go out there and play your ball game, and you're going to win. And that's what he told us, and that's what he taught us. And he had a mission that he set for us, and he said, you know what, I expect each one of you to be leaders in your own way. And so that was what 
what's so exciting about Coach Gilbert. Not only was he a great coach, he was a great person. They say that about a lot of people, but Coach, yeah. let me tell you something about Coach Fran Gilbert. He had his, he has priorities in check. The number one thing was his faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Number two was his family. And number three was everything else. And, and those were his priorities. And he kept everything in check. And he had a balance of everything. Yeah, he did a lot of scouting, but I love the fact when I'd go to Sunday Mass or even go to a weekday Mass, who was in church? Coach Gilbert. And so that was just a very, it was an awesome thing to see. Yeah, I mean, that, and today's game, it's it's so tough for a lot of these younger guys to, to stay balanced uh, and keep things in order just because of the the stress and the pressures of, of being a 12-month sport now. And you know that guys are, you know, being kind of, kind of not forced into, but, you know, it's kind of specializing in things, and, and, and that just wasn't how it was. Uh, and it still isn't how it is, especially, you know, in, in conferences like the MAC and in places like that. And But were you guys, you know, obviously you, you – you were a pretty touted group coming up, but you know, once the winning started, was, was what was it like? You know, were you kind of like rock stars around St. Henry, or <laughs> or what was that like? Um, you know, I guess if you want to call it that, you could you could be because a lot of us were getting recruited from Division One schools and and football, and you know, I'll never forget after we won state my senior year, we played in the District Eight All Star game. And there was a bunch of little kids there. And I'm walking up the court with Bob Wang and Kevin Kneecap. And, you know, Bob went on to Ohio State and so did Kevin. And, and Jeff Harding, who played our junior year, went on to Penn State. But I had these little kids coming up to you saying, sir, can I have your autograph? <laughs> and here I am, a senior in high school, and it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not even thinking anything of it. So I guess a lot of little kids looked up to us sort of like we did when we were kids. Yeah. And um, – you know, so that was kind of exciting. So, you know, and you, and you go around town and, and and people always wanted to talk about sports. They wanted to talk about, you know, the, uh, the next season or, you know, the expectations. And, and can you repeat, especially after our junior year, hey, we expect you to repeat. So now you set a precedent of if you don't win a state title, yeah, it was a pretty bad year. You know yeah. what I mean? So at the 89-90 season, um, you guys – I think we're like right on the nose of, of being a division three school, which you, you could have very easily been a, a division four school, but you're, you're in division three uh, and you finished fourth in the AP poll behind uh, a team that you would see a little later on and Youngstown Liberty finished number one uh, Richmondale Southeastern who you would play later on finished fifth. So they were right behind you. Um, and you had one loss that season, which is a, a team that you seem to be snake bitten by, um, the Van Wert Cougars who, who are a really good team, um, had two outstanding players. They made the D2 semis that year under coach Keith Knopf's. Do you remember losing to them as, uh, juniors? Yeah, as a matter of fact, we lost to them at Van Wert. You know, it was a game 
we were undefeated. They might have had one loss. Like you said, they did make the state semifinals. They were in Division Two school. You know, packed house. The gym was full. After three quarters, it was a tie ball game. And it was back and forth in that fourth quarter. And we were down three or four at the end of that game. And, you know, with some fouls, they pulled away a little bit at the end. And, you know, that was kind of a reality check. That was the yeah, – and, and I, I hate the sound. I don't mean this in an arrogant way whatsoever. So I hope it's not taken that way. But that was the first loss I've ever had in my life in basketball. From fourth grade to my 11th grade junior year, that was, that was our first loss. We yeah. never lost a single game of seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, you know, sophomore year. And so it was, I didn't know. I really, honestly, we, we, I remember riding home on the bus, kind of looking at each other. Okay, well, what do we do? <laughs> what, what just happened there? Yeah. And I remember Bob Hoy looked at me, he was sitting by me on the bus, and he said, I'm going to tell you something right now. This sucks. He said, you bet your butt this ain't happening again. And I, and I, and I looked at him, I said, you're right. Let's make a pact. I pulled Kevin Niekamp aside. Pat Dresch was a senior then. Terry Niekamp said, guys, this, this ain't happening again. Period, end of story. Remember how you feel right this moment. Right at this moment when you the feeling of failure, if you will. The winning isn't everything, but the desire to win is. And if, and that's the motto we kind of live by. And Coach Gilbert you know, instilled that in us that, you know what, guys? It's one loss. It's not a league loss. Let's flush that. But let's not let it happen again. So everybody bought in the new season. We were 0-0 that next game, if you will. Yeah, so <laughs> – the, the starting lineup you guys had as juniors, you know, I mean, the average height was about 6'4", and, and pretty much everybody's close to or over 200 pounds. I mean, I would assume that, you know, people up your way that you play, Mercer County, the MAC, you know, and some of those crossover games that you play, they were probably maybe used to seeing you guys and, and how big, just how big you, your bodies were. But I could imagine when you, when you were playing some teams that were a little less unfamiliar, it was kind of probably intimidating when you guys came out on the court. Oh yeah, I, I'm six foot two at, as a junior, and I'm 195 pounds. Yeah, and I'm the smallest starter we got. <laughs> you, you know, and, yeah. You know, we had guys that were six seven, six six, six five, six four. You know, Bob Wing's the, the two guard at six four. You know, he right. can jump out of the gym, and and I never forget. Uh, Kevin Niekamp was about a six 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 seven, just a big specimen, and it wasn't. You know, a lot of people probably looked at that as a little bit of a, a, a maybe an arrogance or cockiness. But we looked at that was kind of a swagger. That was kind of who we are. Hey, look, we're coming into your gymnasium for one reason. That's to kick your butt. If you don't like it, do something about it. Yeah, and that's the, the attitude we took because. You know, we were a close-knit bunch. You know, we loved playing with one another. Our priority was winning basketball games. And so it, we, we tried to – you could say a force of intimidation is what it kind of – So this team, your, your junior year, you guys have two seniors that uh, you mentioned, Pat Dresch and, and Terry Niekamp. Um, so there was probably a feeling that, that you guys could do this again if, you know, if you were able to get it done and, and, and as juniors and – you guys kind of roll through the regionals. You you 
beat Bellbrook 92-59, and then you beat Houston 61-37. Um, so now you, you're on the brink of, of heading to St. John Arena. What was that? So the first time had to be a little different. What was that like walking in there and for that first time and, and just experiencing that? Well, for I can probably speak on behalf of everybody. It was kind of a shocker. You know, you see St. John's Arena on TV. You know, I remember watching the 79 team play St. John Arena. I remember as eighth graders, seventh and eighth graders, I would go with Bob Hoink's family, and we would go watch, uh, of the 12 games, we'd watch probably 10 of them. And, you know, it was always a dream. But to know that you were going to step on that floor and play – and the awesome background and the fans and almost sold out, you know, 12,000 people, you know, it was a very big awakening and it was like, Whoa, I'm glad we're prepared, prepared for, you know, physically prepared and mentally prepared because there's a whole nother facet that steps into play is that the set of nerves that maybe you wouldn't have throughout the year. They, those nerves set in a little bit. So you had to settle in and kind of – it was luck, luckily we got a chance to watch a few other games to, to just get acclimated to St. John Arena as a fan, if you will. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know, you mentioned the the fans. Well, you play Richmondale Southeastern, Southeastern in the semifinals in front of 12,599. I mean, you know, coming from St. Henry, um, you know, that's, that's a – that's a huge jump. I mean, even though I'm sure a lot of your games were packed, um, nothing like that. And, uh, you know, it, it proved that you were prepared. You know, you guys come right out of the gate and just steamroll these guys from Southeast Ohio. It's 24 to nine after the first quarter, you go on to win 93 45. Now this is a team that came in, with a first-team All-Ohio guy and Aaron Skeens and then Mike Adams, another 1,000-point scorer, uh, I think he was honorable mention All-State. So they got 2,000-point scores, probably two of the better players in their school's history, and you hold them to 22% shooting, and, and you guys shoot 69%, and I'm assuming a lot of those were on the interior. Um, you know, I mean, this was just total destruction. Right. I remember, you know, preparing for that game. The coaches were telling telling me, they're like, hey, they are, are their weakness is, try, is stopping penetration to the hole. And that's exactly what I what I was doing as a point guard most of the season was getting the ball to the hole and getting, you know, getting in the lane, getting the ball down to Kevin Neekamp, Terry Neekamp, Pat Dresch, Bob Lang, those kind of guys and Scott Heitkamp off the bench. That was my job as a point guard was to distribute. So I knew going in that I was, I, I told myself I was going to try to have a, a double double points and assists. You know, that was my goal to make sure that we got some easy buckets early in that game. So I think what happens is Kurt, in, 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 a, in a big game like that, when you can get easy buckets early on, it opens up the floodgates for everything else because they have to accommodate for that and say, okay, we got to stop their inside presence. We got to stop penetration. So you draw a lot of doubles, and then you get wide open looks on the exterior and behind the arc. And that, I think Bobby hit a couple threes in that ball game. So that's what happened early on in those kind of games. You develop some good rapport with your inside presence. You know that that part of your game, 
it opens up everything else. And that's what we were able to do with, with some success. And so uh, I think the key coach Gilbert always preached was efficiency. Let's be efficient in every facet of the game, whether it's, you know, taking care of the basketball. He was big on not turning the ball over, you know, shoot it before you lose it. You know, there was a couple of times we would get games and we would take a timeout. He would, he would say, I'll tell you something right now. We, we passed the ball seven times that last possession. What are you doing? And that was the timeout. That was our timeout. Seven passes, <laughs> what are you doing? You know what to do. So we'd go back out there and we'd say, okay, about that third pass, somebody better shoot the ball. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of that was kind of the, the, the motto Coach Gilbert, you know, had for us as juniors especially. Yeah, you, you could probably expand on this a little bit, but it looked like – I mean, at least in a lot of the, the games that I was kind of looking back on, you guys were really good at um, limiting the other team offensively, making it – I mean, the shooting percentages in these state games that you guys played for the opponent, they were just miserable. I mean, you just made it so tough on them because a lot of people think, oh, you know, those teams, you scored a bunch of points and you did – but really, I think, you know, your calling card was shutting people down defensively. Exactly. That's what we did. We were able to – we were so long. We, we sat in that zone a lot, and, and we extended that zone, and we kept, we kept the ball out of the paint. That was our goal. And, and one thing, they, I don't think they keep stats on this, but tips, we had a lot of tip passes. That disrupts offense, and, and it causes a lot of havoc. And that's one thing, you know, coaches preached a lot, too, with getting a lot of tip balls. Make teams reset. Make teams take shots they're not accustomed to taking. And that's what we did. And, you know, you, and teams that tried to go inside, like I said, we had a 6'7", six, 6'6", six, six, Kevin Niekamp, who swatted almost everything, and he got almost every rebound in there. So, And then we would you know, only send two or three to the boards, and we would fill the lanes on offense and, try to get out and transition. And the goal was always, like you said, we got a 24 to nine lead. The goal was always to get out in those games early. You got a 15 point lead. If teams want to run 45 seconds off the play clock or off the uh, game clock. Yeah, go ahead. You're not going to catch up being down 15. So it was one of those things. Let's get out early and often get out and transition, get some easy looks. So that game against Southeastern, uh, Bobby had 18, you had 16. Uh, Terry Neekamp and Kevin Neekamp both have 14, and Dresch ends with nine, um, which would put you in the state finals against the number one team in the state, according to the Associated Press. Um, and this game would take place in front of 12,614 fans. In this game, kind of a, a, a side note, um, Bobby Patton Jr., who was playing for his dad, um, was, I believe, Mr. Basketball that year in the state of Ohio. Um, like I said, they're, they're number one in the state. So coming into this game, like, what was the, what was the feel? Was it just, you know, hey, this is another game. we got to go out there and take care of business. Or was it a little bit heightened because they were number one and they did come in with a really notable player? Well, he, he, most people are aware that he went to, went on to play at the University of Stanford, which is a high, big, big time Division One program. And, and another guy they had was Mark Majic, who played uh, at a Division One school. They had Dixon Carmindro, who was a six-seven center. So they had inside-outside presence. 
but we knew going in we'd have to stop Bobby Pack Jr. Um, the first half we extended our zone and he had some he had some major he had some deep shots on us and got into some penetration and, and at halftime we made an adjustment where you know Coach Gilbert said hey we got to go ahead we got to get out of this zone we got to play man and he said I'm going to put one of our best defenders on him. He looked right at Bobby Hoying and said, don't let him score. You got one job. I don't care if you get one point the second half. Do not let Bob Patton Jr. beat us. Do not let him score. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Bobby Patton Jr. had maybe three points the whole entire second half. Yeah, your 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 memory is pretty good. You <laughs> this, this game, um, you guys tra- actually trailed by a point after one. Um, you led 40 to 37 and a half, and, and you were right on. Bob, uh, Patton hit five of six from downtown in the first half, um, and, and Hoying um, held him to one of 11 in the second half, uh, which obviously um, ends up being the difference because uh, you go on to win this game 71 60. Uh, Patton did finish with 20, but you know most of that was in the first half. You mentioned Mark Majic, 16. Uh, they had a guy by the last name of Richardson with 15. And then another guy was was um, an all-state guy was Dennis Green. Uh, and you guys held him to five. Uh, and, and, again, it's that same thing. You shoot 56% from the field. They shoot 37. You, you're defensively making it really difficult on them. Uh, and, and this was nice for the scene. Uh, Pat Dresch goes out with 25 points to lead you guys in his final game as Redskin, you have 18 and Bobby has 10. I'm sure Bobby was probably limited a little offensively in the second half with his focus on, on stopping Patton. But, um, you know, just kind of take me through those last, you know, few moments there. If you can recall, you know, just what that feeling was like when you knew it, it was, you were, you were going to get it done. Yeah, it, it's a, it was just, it's an unbelievable feeling to win a state title because that's what we set out to do since we were in third and fourth grade. I remember being on my on my driveway at home and reenacting the last second shot, two, one, hitting the buzzer to win a state title. You know, that was always a dream and a vision of all of us. And, and, and it, it was a surreal moment. And when that becomes a reality, it's hard to even fathom what it's like because you, you want to do that as a kid, you do that. I'm getting even goosebumps in, in, in thinking about it right now. But I remember about a minute and a half to go in that game, and we were about our four-corner offense, and they're trying to foul. And, and Bobby threw a pass to me, and I was able to make a, a, a dark pass to Scott Heikamp for a layup. I put us up double figures. And at that moment, it was we felt this was, this was it. And I'll never forget that at the end of that game, the celebration was epic. It was so, it was, it was probably a relief, Kurt. It was one of those things that, wow, there was so much pressure all year because everybody had us win in state before we played a game. Little did they know Youngstown Liberty had all these Division One players. And as you mentioned, Dennis or, uh, uh, Green, who was as athletic as anybody on that basketball floor. We were able to keep him in check. But, again, the difference maker was Bobby Hoying in the second half, shutting down Patton. And I think we were talking about that at, at halftime, or I'm sorry, in the middle of the second quarter, to switch to man. And Coach Gilbert decided, 
let's not let them make any adjustments here in the first half. Let's stick to our guns and play this zone, even though they might light us up, but let's make them not make adjustments, not knowing what we were going to do in the second half. They probably had an inkling we, we might go to a man, but Bobby was able to overplay his right hand and force some really tough shots, as you mentioned, one of 11, and those were really tough ones that, that he had to take that night. Yeah, you know, it's it's different, and and you would know this as well. Um, winning a state championship is obviously something special, but you know, I, I try to tell people when you do it with a group of guys that you've been with, you know, mostly your whole life, uh, there's just something different about that because you know, in the game now, kids are jumping all over the place and 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 forming, you know teams and power teams and but when, when you have a group of guys that have have went to battle with each other since grade school it's just there's something different uh about uh you know winning a state championship under those circumstances you're exactly right these were my friends they're still my friends i mean even even a couple of years ago we were all in columbus we got together for some some, some food and some fun and that was that's what this was all about. We were, we were we were friends since grade school, and we would and it didn't matter what sport we were playing. If it was football season, we were playing football, basketball, basketball, baseball. We were playing baseball. But you're right, Kurt. It was it was special because those guys were at my house. I was at their house. We were ordering pizzas on Friday nights after games. We were having fun. We were going to homecomings together, proms together. I mean, we were more than just teammates. In every sense of the word, we were we we put that emphasis on team leadership and that bond we had of, of friendship. Now, here's I'll give you a chance to answer this. A lot of people ask me, you know, how would this team, how would those teams, you know, whether it's ninety or ninety one, how would those teams fare um, against today's, you know, small school, you know, teams that compete for state titles. What was your answer? <laughs> I, I said I think it would be a lot of the same result that, that you saw in 90 and 91. Um, I, I still think that, you know, I look back to those teams, um, your team and um, the Liberty Benton teams in the, in the mid to early 90s and, uh, you know, those uh, Lincoln View teams. Just those teams to me, you know, I would put those teams up against anybody I've seen in the last 20 years. Right. And, and, you know, I'm obviously I'm a little bit biased because of, of the team that I played on, but I'm with you with that. And I feel like we had a, a nucleus, a, a, just a lot of players that bought in, you know, coach sold us from day one on what he wanted to accomplish and everybody bought in, everybody threw the I word out. We were, uh, there's no I in team type of atmosphere that Coach Gilbert created. Didn't matter if I scored 18 points or two points. It really did not matter as long as we, we won. And that's kind of what the mentality was. But as far as playing against those other teams, um, I, I would like to think that we would fare pretty well against them. And I think, like what I just shared with you before, we had a guy, Bobby Hoying, who had the ability to shut down a guy going to Stanford in the second half, if you can shut that guy down, you're shutting down anybody. 
yeah. I don't know anybody in small schools that, that he couldn't have been able to shut down. And so you always had that X factor. And, you know, Kevin Niekamp inside was a huge factor, a huge presence inside. And the emphasis was always on the team. And it was accountability. I never went into a game saying, you know what, I, 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 this is all about me. This is about my teammates. I've got to do whatever i got to do to be accountable to that guy next to me. And that's the mentality, the agenda that we set forth, the respect factor that we had for one another. So you guys don't have much time off. You know, you're going from one sport to the next. And, you know, as, as the new season is coming around, you guys got a, a group of guys on the football field um, that are ready to take the state by storm as well. Um, I, I, I was noticing in 89, you guys did not make the playoffs in football. That is correct. That is correct. We, we fell short on the computer system by like a half a point. Um, that was, that was pretty tough because I really believe my junior year in football was probably better than our senior year as far as an overall team. Um, because the senior class that year was very good, a lot of great players, and but Jim Frenzer went on to play at the University of, at Ohio University, was a four-year starter there, and you know, Terry Neekamp was a senior, and, and Scott Riddler. We had a lot of those guys that were were very good football players. So our junior year was very disappointing, and it probably <laughs> it, it, it motivated us a lot. To, to not let that happen again when we were going to, you know, in our senior year. Cause I'm assuming in 89, they were probably, were they taking four teams or. That is correct. They okay. took four. Okay. So, yes. So in 90 though, you guys come in and, and you, you, uh, you don't leave any doubt. Um, you pretty much run roughshod through your, your regular season uh, schedule. You go 10 and 0. Um, you had five, you played 14 that year. You won all 14, you five shutouts. I think the most you allowed all year was 19. Uh, that was the Newark Catholic in the state semis, which was a, a really, really good game. Uh, you averaged nearly 40 points a game in the regular season. Of course, you played for, uh, Marion local grad and Tim Beckman was your head coach, correct? Yes, that is correct. So you, you and Bobby were first team all Ohioans as juniors and seniors. Um, you at offensive end, as they called it then, and, and Bobby yeah. obviously at quarterback. But, you know, a lot of people maybe forget that Bobby was a really good free safety as well. He was. Let's, let's not make any mistake about it. Bobby Williams an athlete. Yes. You know, I, I never forget – I had a, my mom and dad had a ping pong table in our basement and uh, Bobby would like would come over because he wanted competition. And so he knew that I would give him everything he had to ping pong, you know? So here's a guy that was an athlete and you're right. He was a great free safety. And, and um, you know, he and I rotated a little bit to free safety, but for the most part, he played that position and uh, he played it very effectively. So, your first team, Bobby's first team, uh, you'd mentioned earlier, Jeff Harding's 
uh, is first team offensive lineman. Jeff obviously is a, a two-time All-American for Paterno at Penn State. Uh, gets drafted by the Lions. I think he ends up, does he win a Super Bowl with the Steelers? That is correct. Yes, he did. Um, and then you, you obviously are playing at Toledo. Um, Kevin uh, ends up going to – now some injuries got, got Kevin, though, at Ohio State. Yeah, that is correct. Kevin uh, Kevin was a tight end. He went to Ohio State. And, and uh, in his true freshman year, he actually was not going to redshirt. Uh, a guy by the name of Jeff Ellis, I remember this – Right, like it was yesterday, him calling me and saying, hey, Jeff got hurt. Uh, I'm going to be playing this week. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. He's going to be playing as a true freshman. Well, he ended up getting hurt as well, and he never got that opportunity to play. And I think Kevin was the type of guy that, um, you know, Jeff played in the NFL, Bobby played in the NFL. And if, if, if Kevin wouldn't have got hurt, he'd have played on Sundays as well because he, he was – that big of a force at tight end. Great hands, great feet. Wasn't the fastest guy in the world, but he could get separation because of the size and able to just box people out at the tight end position. I mean, you know, this this is just, I mean, incredible that this was in one senior class that, that I mean, because now did, did you end up signing with somebody after your time at Toledo? Well, I actually, what happened was after I was at the University of Toledo, I had an ankle injury, and um, I, I was I was ranked as a fourth or fifth round projection in the NFL draft uh, after my junior year. Well, I had a minor surgery. Anybody that tells you there's minor surgeries is crazy because that turned out to be a nightmare. Uh, I'm just thankful to God every day that I'm able to walk and able to just function properly with an ankle injury. But long story short, after after that, was able to rehab. Uh, I remember signing with an agent out of Philadelphia, and um, I didn't get drafted, and I was a free agent. I didn't get picked up by anybody because I still was battling that ankle injury. So I rehabbed and worked out, got in shape for an entire year. I went, my agent calls me and said, hey, there's going to be a bunch of NFL scouts at a combine at the University of Boston. Would you like to go? Actually, you're going. That was his phone conversation to me. I said, okay, I'll be on the next flight. When is it? He said, it's tomorrow. Okay, so I jump on the next flight. I go to Boston, and I work out, and I ran the best 40 time of my life, which I ran a 4-4-4. And I was six, at that time, I'm 6'3", about 215 pounds, and I was able, I bench pressed 380 pounds. So I was able to, I, I had some size and strength at the wide receiver position. And I got done running the 40 and I had one of the scouts come up to me and I can't even remember what team he was from at this moment. And he said, I clocked you at a 4-4-4. I got you down as a 4-5-8 guy. Would you mind running again for me? Well, the smartest thing to do is not run again. Right. Because the, you set yourself up for failure. You just ran a four, four, five. The best thing to do is say, you know what? That's my time. That's who I am. But stupid me as competitive as I am. I said, you know what? Let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> so I ended up running another time and I was roughly the same time. I ran a four, four, four and a four, four, five in my two forty times. And I remember getting a call from my agent. He said, Hey, 
We got a call from the Cowboys. They want to bring you in. And so I, I get on the flight. I fly into Austin is where their training camp was. And, and I did some workouts with the Cowboys. And I'll never forget. I walk into the lunchroom. Well, first of all, I go there. And I walk into the uh, one of the team meeting rooms. I walk out of the office. And there's Jerry Jones. And I thought, am I in the right place? What, what am I doing here? You know, <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is a surreal moment. So I, uh, I, I talked to Jerry and, and he, he knew my name somehow. I don't know how, because here I am a, a, a free agent guy who he probably didn't know, but he got it, got the name from the secretary. So he knew who I was. And long story short, that was just a, a really neat moment. So I went to the practice field, got done with practice. I walked over, I, I got a meal. I sat down. And who comes up but Troy Aikman? Troy Aikman sits down at the next table over, and uh, I'm just I'm just in like kind of awestruck, you know, starstruck, if you will, for a moment. And I'll never forget my injury. My ankle started to flare up, and so long story short, I got released pretty much, went home. But I remember going back to my room, and I spent a lot of time in prayer. And the good Lord said, "Is this really what you want?" And I remember saying, wow, I say, I don't know. Lord, I really don't know. I, I, I know this is what I, all I wanted, but I want what you want for my life. And long story short, I was sent home, and I, I took on a different uh, avenue and different endeavors that came into my life. So, yeah, it was tough, but at the same time, it was the experience that I wanted, and, and I was very thankful for that. Yeah, I mean, not a whole lot of people get to, I mean, even experience <clears throat> what you were able to as far as even getting into uh, a camp uh, or, or a look. And, and just, I mean, I'm still baffled. You know, obviously, a lot of people know Bobby Hoying because he played for the most popular team in the state of Ohio, Ohio State football, runs the show. Um, nope. you know, without a doubt. Uh, and then he, you know, goes on and plays in an FO and, and Jeff, um, does his thing. And, and then you and Kevin, I mean, it's just crazy. My question is, and we'll, we'll talk about the, 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 um, state semis and finals here, but my question, what team do you think was more dominant? Your, your football team in 90 or your basketball team? a little bit later on that spring? Um, you know, that, that's a very tough question because you can look at it from a bunch of different perspectives as far as the depth we had in basketball. You know, we only had, my senior year, we only had 39 players out. So most guys went both ways. And so in our junior class, only had about seven players. So we were a senior-dominated team. We had some uh, six, or six of those seven juniors played, if I'm not mistaken, and a handful of sophomores got some action. So I would probably say our, our basketball team was a little bit more dominant uh, just because of a little bit extra depth we, we had, you know, on that team with Steve Gels and Tony Glass and things like that. But um, I would say that would probably be my answer to that question. Yeah, so you guys uh, mentioned, you know, pretty much, you know, run over top of everybody, first 12 games. Um, now, when you get to the semifinals there, you, uh, which game was played at Springfield, uh, Evans Stadium down in Springfield, you're playing a school in Newark Catholic who 
is by this time is very well known um, as the kingpin in, in small school football. And I mean, you know, they had teams, especially in the '80s, that could have competed with pretty much anybody. Um, with those teams, uh, well, I mean, Rob Kelly was there. Yeah, I think he was there in the early '90s. But um, you guys find a way. Twenty-one nineteen. Do, do you remember any of any or much of that game at all? <laughs> it was it was it was a nip and tuck game. The whole battle and uh he like you said you had rob kelly rob kelly went on to play safety at ohio state he went to the new orleans saints so and, and, and i'm sure he, i think he played for somebody else if i'm not mistaken but they were loaded at every position and like you said newark catholic won how many state titles you know in school history so we knew we were in for a dog fight and in that game i remember getting double and triple covered and at halftime you know, Coach Beckman, I, I think he made some adjustments and, and said, okay, we got to try to do something else because we can't beat triple coverage. You know, so Josh Link, one of our other receivers, just made a, a great catch late in that game for a touchdown that put us ahead. And then we were able to withstand a late rally by them and a late drive and we're able to win that game 21 to 19. And man, it was a dog fight. That was because up until that point, we really didn't have a, a, a close game. Right. So, I mean, it was, you get to the finals, um, which is at the historic Maslin, uh, Paul Brown Tiger Stadium, and you guys play Sandusky, St. Mary's um, Central Catholic, or Catholic Central, one of the two, I don't know which one it is, but uh, another 20-17 to 17, uh, in that state final game, uh, another close one. It really was. We were we were getting dominated in that game throughout. Um, we were having fits at the line of scrimmage, and that was probably something we weren't accustomed to seeing. I mean, they had a guy up the middle, and I can't remember his name, a defensive lineman that was just causing havoc. We had to make some switches on the offensive line and, and during the course of a game, and that's hard to do when you don't do that all year long. And just to change things up, we had to go to a short passing game because we couldn't block people. We had to keep one extra guy running back, had to stay in a lot to, to give some extra protection and, and so so on and so forth. We found a way, and I think that was one of those things. When we were down in that game. I think the seniors grabbed each other by the face mask on the sideline and said, this is embarrassing. This We did not sign up for this. You know, we, we came into that game favored to win the game. We were not going to – we were not going to lose that game. And I think that was the mission at that time was, hey, everybody be a leader at their own position. You make a play, you make a play, you make a play, and you make a play. I remember going down the line, even at halftime, there were, <laughs> you know, Coach Beckman came in and there were some, a few choice words being thrown around. And I know some of the players were saying, hey, you know, you got to start making plays. you got to start making plays. And, you know, we were calling people out by name, calling people out by name and saying, you're acting like a, a wuss, for lack of a better term. It's like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing out there? You're killing us out there. And so I think we took that approach almost as if we were coaching, you know, and, and you know, we played for Hall of Fame coach Tim Beckman. He demanded, you know, expertise. That's, that's the name of his game. Was a few, it was attention to detail. You do the little things right, and 
we were not doing the little things right that entire game till the fourth quarter, and we were just very fortunate to come away with a with a state championship. What What was the? I mean, if you're compare, you know, you went um, at St. John Arena there in, in March of '90. Uh, what What was the What was the like the celebration there at the end? How did that kind of compare to the to the basketball when you win the football? Well, I think it was uh, a little bit more jubilation just for the simple fact it was the first state title in school history. But the, the fashion that we were able to win the game, we scored a late touchdown to go ahead. We had an interception late in the game, and we were able to take a knee on the last drive. So whereas the junior year, we had a, a – 11, 12 point lead with a minute. So we knew we were going to win that game. Not, not until that final 45 seconds of the state finals did we, in, in football did we know we were going to win. So, the, the, again, it was elation to the maximum, but the, the bottom line was relief. Wow, that was a close one. That, that's kind of, the, the, the I would say, the feeling was for everybody. Yeah, I, I was – not been in that position, but I, I know, you know, football is, is definitely a more emotional game. Um, just so many emotions that happen throughout the course of a 48-minute game that, you know, I, I can't imagine the jubilation at the end of that game. And, um, you know, you guys start an onslaught, really, because they win in 92, 94, 95. They went again in 04 and 06. So, you guys started something pretty special there in the '90s uh, with St. Henry football. Yeah, and I think a lot, a lot of the, the younger kids, um, you know, even 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 today, will will we'll say things like that. You know, you guys were able to um, start a tradition. Um, we, we had good tradition before them, but we were able to get that first state title, and then it kind of snowballed from that because it was a belief pattern. Hey, you guys can do this just like these guys. You're talented just like these guys were at this position, at that position, and so on and so forth. And, and you know, the, the, pre, the preparation that went into St. Henry Athletics, especially football during that time with Coach Beckman, um, we were always prepared. We knew what we were going to see on, on Friday night. You know, we knew what we were getting from our opponents. And it's, it's a lot, easy, lot easier to win football games when you're mentally and physically prepared for what you're going to face on game night. So you guys do it. You guys win basketball. You win football, and, and you're back again in basketball. This time you've bumped down to Division Four, which again we're talking pre-internet. We're talking pre-social media. But you know there were still people that were doing magazines and things like that statewide. So um, you bumping down to Division Four. I mean there 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 had to be some talk about a possible St. Henry. Uh, Worley matchup um, at some point during that season, whether it was, you know, in the semis or finals. And, um, you know, if, if that was today, uh, that, you know, ironically, it never ended up happening. But if that were today, that game would have been promoted from from December to the end of, of March, um, you know, and – but back then it was just a little bit, you know, harder to I'm not sure how much you knew about them and how much they knew about you, but there had to be some talk. Absolutely. They were loaded. They had a guy by the name of Chuck Perry, Terry Holloman, Jeff Stanley. They had three guys 
that were phenomenal basketball players. And it's funny you say that because it, if I'm if I if I'm not mistaken, Chuck Kemper was their head coach, and uh, he, as a matter of fact, I'll bet you he was at five or six of our games because <laughs> it was the first time this guy was with a clipboard. And I remember Coach Summers, our, our JV coach and our assistant varsity coach, he said, "That's Chuck Kemper, Columbus Whirly. He must think we're going to play them in the state finals because that's how it would have been set up." And, and so you remember he was a, a kind of a, a figure that you never forgot. And I'll bet you we saw Chuck Kemper five or six times walking into the gymnasium where we were playing. <laughs> and it's like, uh-oh. So he had us scouted to a T, and we were one game from playing them. They happened to get beat by Tri-Village in the state semifinals. And uh, I know a lot of people were excited about a potential matchup. It never happened. But nonetheless, we were able to, to get a state title. Yeah, so like I said, you bump down to Division Four. You become the first team to win football and basketball state titles in the same season since 1973. Uh, this year, like, there was no doubt you finished number one in the AP poll, you know, despite that regular season loss to, um, to Van Wert, 73-71, which was on your floor this time. Um, interesting, Tri-Village finished number two, Worley finished three, and Kirtland finished six. Those were the four teams that made up the state tournament that year. Um, you guys did not get snubbed this time around on the All-State team. You and Bobby are both first-team All-Ohioans. Um, I think Kevin was an honorable mention. Kevin Niekamp was honorable mention. I think he led your team in scoring as senior, didn't he? Correct. Yes, he did. Um the, the, you know, the first team was loaded with uh, Nate Lendemut, uh from Tri-Village, uh, Jeff Stanley, who was the player of the year that year. Uh, Terry Holloman was second team. You mentioned him from Worley. Um, there was a kid from Kirtland named, uh, I think it was Craig Savinson or something like that. Um, yes. He was actually a first team Ohio quarterback uh, with Bobby that year um, in Division Five. And then um, Tri-Village also had Scoob Cook. Uh, you mentioned Chuck Perry. Um, so there was a lot of really good talent in that state tournament that year. Um, and you guys, as I mentioned, I wanted to ask you about that uh, Van Wert game. You were, I think you were 16-0 and coming into that game. Um, they had two guys, Quincy Cloud and, and Joe Gardner, who went on to play basketball, I think, at Toledo. Um, Gardner had 29 that night. Cloud had 26. He hits the game winner uh, in the closing seconds of that game. And it just seemed like Van Wert must have just had your number. Uh, they, they did. They had our number. We, we, had, a, we had about a seven-point lead, or at least a five-point lead, with about two to two or three minutes to go in that ball game. Missed some free throws down the stretch, and they were down five, I know, with 50-some seconds to go, and Gardner came down and hit a just a – I mean, he was deep, 30-foot three. He was on fire that night, and, and, and we had no answer for him. But um, that was a very, very disappointing evening. I remember in the summertime, I'm over at Kevin Niekamp's house, and his dad, as I mentioned earlier, Mike, my, our little fourth-grade Kiwanis coach, and – and he was on us about losing to Van Wert the previous year. He goes, yeah, you won state, but you got beat by Van Wert. You know, that was our junior year. And, and he said, I'm going to tell you what, Scotty. 
He says, if you lose the van word, you better not show you, you better not show your face at my house for 30 days. So I was so I was like, oh my gosh. So I'll never forget after that game, we're sitting around. We get beat. The next week, I, I gotta pick up Kevin. We're going to practice and I, I pull up and I'm debating, okay, Kevin wasn't coming out. I'm like, I'm not going in that house. I'm beeping the horn. I'm beeping the horn and I, he's not coming out. And I'm like, God, is he taking a nap? I better go in. Then it's Kevin's little sister comes out and she waves me in and I'm thinking, so I'm looking around the corner. I see Mike's van there. I'm like, Oh boy, this might not be good. Well, maybe he's not going to say anything about it. I walk in there. That's the first thing out of his mouth. Your 30 days ain't up yet, sir. <laughs> and we laughed and we laughed and he said, all right, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to forgive you one condition. You better cut down the nets in St. John arena again. And we'll wave it off. I said, all right, you got a deal. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys bounce back. You end up winning your last three games. Uh, finished 19 and one. Uh, I think you averaged about 83 a game, gave up 51 that year. So you were beating teams up pretty good. Uh, interesting, though, you bumped down a D4. So some teams you're familiar with, you end up playing uh, and beating Minster and Marion Local in the district two teams from your conference. So teams that were more familiar, you're more familiar with, they're more familiar with you. Uh, and then you get in a regional, you, you kind of write that wrong from 83, you beat Holgate 54-41 um, and you beat, this must've been a pretty tough game with Miller City there in the, in the regional final 66-58. I don't know, was that a game that ended close or was that close throughout? It was one of those games, Kurt, that we, we had probably a, a 10, 12-point lead throughout. You know, a couple of times they got it down to six, they got it to seven, and we'd go back up 10. So, you know what, they had uh, a secret kid that went on to play at Finley. He was phenomenal, and then Matt Miller ended up, he, he was a great player as well. So they had two kids that could flat-out play basketball, and they had a very good game plan. They, they held the ball. You know, they, they, they worked the ball, and they worked the ball until they got an open shot. And they did, and they kept it close. And I remember their coach talking after the game in an interview, and he said his goal was to keep it close in the fourth quarter and then try to hammer us at the end. And fortunately, we were able to, to make free throws down the stretch. And, and I think the closest they got it was maybe seven late in that game. And we were able to get up, like I said, eight, nine, ten, and ended up winning by eight. So, um you know, it's, it's one of those things. It wasn't our prettiest game, but it, it's a tournament. It's just advanced. Right. At this point, just advanced. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, you know, not the most ideal thing happens uh, Tuesday between that game and the state semifinals. On Tuesday, Bobby Hoying injures his ankle in practice. And... He's plays uh, in the state tournament, obviously not a hundred percent, but you know, I'm sure um, there was a little bit of, uh, I guess maybe some angst about him going down in practice. Well, what, what happened was we were, we, coach Gilbert, he always did this the year before, even when we got the tournament time, our practices were cut down drastically. We were hour and 15 minutes. We did a lot of shooting, a lot of walkthrough stuff, a lot of preparation, a lot of mental preparation. And then we would scrimmage. So it wasn't a, a 
a very hardcore practice, if you will. And I remember during that, we would do some half-court stuff. And and um, Coach Gilbert said, all right, guys, we're going to shoot free throws. Well, a few of us seniors said, hey, can we get a little bit? Can we go one more set? What he would do is he would do sets of 10. So you'd get 10 possessions. You know, just half court. We were on offense. He said, hey, you know, we're trying to score 70% of the time. Let's let, let's do this. Well, we just had a really good offensive set. Coach Gilman said, okay, we're doing free throws now. We're going to call it a practice. A couple of the seniors like, coach, we need. We think we need to do one more set. Can we see another set against zone? Because we might see zone. And, and, and you could just see he didn't want to do it. But he says, all right, let's, okay, white. He called it the red team and the white team. The starters were in the red, and, the, and the, the white team was the second team. And he says, okay, whites, give us a 2-3 zone, 2-3 matchup zone, and, and let's run our red skin and our, you know, our, our, our zone offense, our, our pro offense. So we, we did that. We were on about the seventh point, and Bobby goes down. And I never forget, I look over at Coach Gilbert, and if looks could kill, he'd have killed the entire team for doing that <laughs> extra set. I'm like, oh, no, Bobby, get up. Go over there. And he gets up, and he looked at me. He said, Scotty, I can't put any weight on this. I thought, uh-oh, this is not good. This is not good whatsoever. So he goes and get him ice. And, you know, obviously he's one of my best friends in high school and still a great friend today. But it's like, uh-oh, now what are we doing? Well, he had signed with Ohio State so for football, or committed. So they bring him down early. He's getting treatment at the, at the Woody Hayes Center, and he's with the best doctors, you know, at Ohio State. And, and he's able to play, but as you mentioned before, not full strength. But I'll take Bob Hoying at 50% over so many kids that are, you know, 90%, 100%. So – he was able to play and did some good things, but not to the caliber or the capability that he would normally play. But the funny thing is we live in such a small town and this is Tuesday night practice schools out at three fifteen. We're done practicing by four thirty five o'clock by six o'clock. I'm at home. My phone's ringing and Bobby Hoyt broke his ankle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, it's just, it's a bad sprain. He's going to be all right. And, it was, we had to put out fire after fire. Yeah. And, you know, and the biggest thing was putting Coach Gilbert was so furious that we did another set that he couldn't even see straight, but <laughs> I guess it worked out. <laughs> well, you guys you guys move on. You play uh, Kirtland, um, who now is known more of a, a football power um, in the state of Ohio. Uh, you guys, in front of 11,717, uh, get – coach his 500th win um 59-43 it you know just reading some of the stuff it wasn't it wasn't a great, bad performance it wasn't a great performance it was just a performance um you guys shoot 53% hold them typical again 35% uh Kevin Neekamp who had a great state tournament his senior year uh he had 20 points and 8 rebounds and, and coach says um, that uh, he, he quoted uh, in the Columbus Dispatch that when when Kevin's going, he's a man amongst boys. Um, when he wants to be, uh, I don't know. Was, was it, did he have a nickname? Was it Bruiser? No, I, I 
actually, my name was Bruiser. Oh, okay. You were, okay. Um, <laughs> That's kind of funny. You said his, name, his nickname was Red Man. Red Man, okay. Because he had red hair, and, and we called him Red Man from the time he was a kid. But, he, but you're right. He was a man amongst boys. He was a, he was a machine. Uh, you know, we had a lot of go-to guys that year. But, you know, I, I remember in, in a couple games, when we needed a bucket, I, I would I would tell Redman, look, hey, I'm getting his ball. Post up. I don't care what you got to do. You're getting the ball. I'm going to force feed you. I don't care if they're doubling you. You're getting the basketball. Go score. And, and usually we were pretty successful at that. Well, Bruiser, you had 13.7 assists, and then Scott Heitkamp had 10. Um, interesting quote I found. Uh, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. This is you. Uh, oh boy! You, you, you okay? Before you before you say that, I'm a 17 year old kid at the time. I, oh, I, I got an I got an idea what this is. Well, you you were you were <laughs> actually pretty well spoken for seven. So it, I'm assuming that you were in. Was this a, a press conference after the game? Was it a press conference format? And you were correct. In there? So Steve Blackledge from the Columbus Dispatch. Um, this is a quote from you following the game. You said it wasn't one of our greatest ones, but but a victory is a victory. Um, he said you don't want your best game in the semifinal anyway. We'll be pumped for Saturday. We've been waiting for Worley all year. And, and so I'm assuming you play played before them, correct? For we the did semifinal. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know. <laughs> It's funny looking back on, on some of the things that, you know, you say. and um, But, yeah, you know, Tri-Village ends up beating Worley, which actually was, I, I believe, the final game in Worley's history. They ended up having to shut the door. Um, Tri-Village beat them 77-71. You mentioned Chuck Kemper. Uh, and actually the junior high that I teach at, Chuck, before I was – hired on here Chuck Kemper was actually the principal here um, oh. and he never coached again after uh, and I'm assuming he was probably in his probably early mid 40s uh, yeah. when the door shut at uh, Worley but the crazy thing to me the stat that jumped off the page at me is Tri-Village shoots 68% in that game um, and, and Worley shoots 39% uh, and Worley still only loses the game by six points. Um, and, uh, you know, a couple, a, a guy I know messaged me about that game and played for Worley on that team and really was, was hoping to get a shot at you guys. But it seemed like somebody else wanted a shot at you guys, and that was um, the coach at Tri-Village. Um, you were one, they were two um, – he was, um, I think his name was Les Faulkner. I think it was Lee Faulkner. Lee, yeah. Lee Faulkner, yes. I didn't mean to correct you. but Yeah, yeah, Lee, Lee Faulkner. And, and he um, was letting everybody know that they were the only undefeated team that was left in the state. Um, and he had mentioned several times that they, want, they wanted St. Henry. Um, and... You know, that started out, you know, that you guys, uh, you guys have a six point halftime lead. Um, and you could maybe shed some light on this, but 
apparently they were playing a zone that was bothering you guys in the first half, and then mysteriously they they switched to a man in the second half. Is that kind of how it went? Yeah, it, it was very unusual. I don't know if they thought they were going to trick us or what, what the concept was there, but they were doing some things pretty effectively that were giving us fits, as a matter of fact. But then they, you know, they switched things up, and we were able to pull away. And, you know, by then, it was a little bit too late for them to come back to what they were, were pretty successful at. I probably think Coach Faulkner has some regrets in that game. Um, if he would have just stuck to his, to his guns. But it's one of those things that you do what you think is best at that time, you know, to give your team the best opportunity to win. And that's what he did. And unfortunately for them, it didn't work out. Fortunately for us, it did. Yeah, this was a massive crowd, 13,276, um, two towns that are um, very basketball-based. Um, both towns love basketball, rich tradition, um, yeah, so it was funny because after, you know, they, they had, somebody had brought it up in the press conference and, and he, and he had a good quote. He said, you know, everybody's got an ego. Um, and, uh, he said that, you know, you guys were definitely the better team. Uh, you end up winning that game 70 to 45. You blew their doors off in the fourth quarter, 29 to 11. Um, it looks like Kevin Niekamp feasted. Uh, when they went, man, he had 13 points in the second half. He ended up with 19 points, 16 rebounds. You ended up with 19 and Scott Heitkamp with 11. Um, you ended Tri-Village season at 27-1. and one. You guys finished at 26-1, and one, that lone loss to Van Wert. Um, you shot 50%. They only shoot 30%. This is, again, this was your... So they went from 68% against Worley to 30% against you guys. Um, you held Lindemood and um, Cook to a combined 17 points in that game. You become the only Mac school to ever go back-to-back, -back, and many people consider your senior class as the greatest senior class in Mac history. So when you fight – I mean, this is – I mean, you you're – you know, 29 to 11 in the fourth quarter. This was a little different than than 90. You kind of probably had a pretty good feeling early on in the fourth that that this was going to happen again. Yeah, and I think I think the biggest thing, as you as you mentioned, uh, Kurt, was the fact that we held them to that, that that type of shooting percentage. That's the lowest I believe they've had all year, maybe in the last two years. At that point. Um, the key for us, I think defensively, is force teams to take bad shots. When teams take bad shots, the rebounds are different. You know, you take some long threes, you get long rebounds, and if, if you can get out of transition, you can get some easy looks on the other end of the floor. So it's not necessarily that they're just taking some bad shots. It's the result, the consequences that come from taking bad shots. And that's what Coach Gilbert always harped on. We got to force teams to take shots, ill-advised shots, shots that they're not capable of making on a regular basis. And so we were able to do that. And yeah, like you mentioned, we were able to, to pull away late in that game. And I remember, you know, Coach Gilbert, you know, he 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 preached all year, guys, do what you gotta do. We can win a state title, but don't put that extra pressure that the town's putting on you to win another one to go back to back. 
you know, you always preach that about being accountable, but at the same time, go have fun, go enjoy your, go enjoy your season, do the things. But I'll never forget after Coach Stubbs at the end of that game, and I'm walking off the floor, and I'm looking up at our fans, and they're going crazy. And Coach Gilbert looked at me with that grin on his face. That it, it, it was priceless. And he gave me the biggest hug like my own father would, and it was just so, so special of a moment. I remember it like it was yesterday. And to be regarded in our league as one of the best teams, if not the best group, that's special, and that's something I don't, don't make light of because there's been a lot of great players, a lot of great teams that have come through the Mac over the years. So, um, you know, that, that, that those are very, very, you know, great compliments. And again, I don't take them lightly. So it was a special group. I think Kurt, the one thing that I, I don't know if I've touched on, but it was one of those things that never become satisfied as an athlete. We never became satisfied winning football, you know, or, or winning basketball junior year. Hey, we can do this in football. Don't don't find any complacency, and that's my recommendation to the young kids. Just because you win one, don't mean you can can't win two. Just because you win two, don't mean you can't win three. That's why Alabama football is so successful. Nick Saban, forget about the last one you won. That's over. Let's win the next one. And that was kind of our motto even back then. We're not going to become satisfied. Yeah. We're happy we won. Let's celebrate for a night, but let's get back at the grind on, on the next day or two, you know? Yeah. Does it, you know, you're still, people still ask about you guys. Does it seem like it's been 30 years? My body does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From playing football and, and uh, just all the injuries that I've accumulated over the years, but no, it really doesn't. It seems like yesterday. Um, and we talk about that at reunions, and we talk about that at get-togethers with my own teammates and classmates. And it's almost like, God, how special would it be to go back and relive your senior year one more time? Go back and, and play athletics one more time. Go to school. Uh, maybe not necessarily school, but you get the idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but you know what I mean. But the whole idea with the, the sports atmosphere, the friendship, the relationships that you build – that lasts a lifetime. Those things you can can never put a price tag on, nor can you ever replace. And that's something I, I, I would love to be able to do again. But, yeah, as far as the amount of time that has flown by, it, I, my mom and dad always used to say, enjoy every moment because as you age, the years go so fast. Man, that's, yeah. that's about as accurate of a statement as you can get. Well, you know, before we jump off here, I, you know, I mentioned that senior class and, and, you know, I know that the, the, that coach played, you know, most of the time six guys in, in games that were, you know, very meaningful, but your, your guys, you know, your bench guys were so key to you guys in practice. Um, you know, guys that didn't get a lot of the ink, like you'd mentioned, um, Steve Gells and, and, and Josh Link and um, uh, I'm missing one, Rob. Um, Rob Bikey. Rob Bikey, yeah. So, you know, I'm sure that those guys would have been contributors, if not starters, on a lot of other schools in the MAC at that time. 
There's no question. I remember going, you know, a lot of times we would go play open gym in the off season in the summertime. And a lot of us guys, three or four of us guys would go over and we all didn't go over together. We'd go to a different school and like Josh or Rob would go along and stuff like that. And they would be dominating teams that we would play against in the Mac. And you're a hundred percent right. If, if they were on any other team that year, they would have been starters. And, and not only starters, they would have probably scored in double figures. They were those type of players. And when you face that kind of competition day in and day out, you, you only get better. You, you don't have a choice but to get better. So I'm very blessed. And, and we're as a team very fortunate to have that kind of depth that gave us that look and practice every day. Because, quite frankly, our second team would have won most of the games that we played. And, and I, don't, I don't say that with arrogance. I don't say that to knock any of the opponents that we played. I, I don't want it to ever come off as, as that kind of statement. But the fact of the matter is, those guys were fabulous basketball players. Yeah, I think they're, they're – and I don't think you're stretching that because a lot of people have said that. I mean, I didn't even mention, you know, one of your starters, uh, your, your senior year was uh, a junior – Tony Tony Glass, right? About yes. So I mean, you got you guys had. I mean, he was six five, maybe six four, six five. Yep, every bit of six five. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, you guys just had so many guys, and and I didn't want to leave any of those seniors out because I know how much they meant to that run over those two years for you guys. And um, you know, like I said, you you and Bobby and Kevin and um, you know, Scott and, and Terry the year before and, and Pat got a lot of the attention as far as the box score stuff. And, but those guys were very meaningful to your team. Absolutely. And then we even say that I, I remember a while back, they, they honored us at, a, at one of the high school basketball games and uh, I was nominated to do the speaking. So I had to speak in front of the whole gymnasium, but that was one of the things that I touched on was, how appreciative I was for getting people to, for getting guys to make me work that hard every single day. And, and it was, it was, it was, it was great competition. And, I, and, and we knew for us to win a state title, we wanted to compete every single day in practice. And, and I, I, I've always had that theory. I want to play against the best people. I've always wanted that no matter what sport I'm playing. If it's, it might be so a softball game in the summertime. Let's play against the best people. Let's find out who we are. You only find that out if you're playing against the greatest teams. If you're playing against the weak teams, then you don't really find out what you're made of. Well, Scott, man, I've really enjoyed this. You're probably the first guest I've ever had that may have been a, a little bit more knowledgeable than I was. I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like you have a pretty good uh, memory of things that happened and, and – uh, uh, so you made you made my job easy tonight. I, I really enjoyed this, and uh, you know, maybe we can talk again in another thirty years. <laughs> see, I'm forty-seven. That'll yeah. put me at seventy-seven. My memory—I don't know. We'll see how it ends. Yeah, Kurt. I—I I tell you what, I really enjoyed my time on here. I appreciate it, and um, yeah, a lot of people say that. Gosh, how do you remember those things? Well, I have a. Uh, a lot of meaningless knowledge in my brain sometimes on other things. And, and if it's really important to me, it, 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 it stays in my memory bank. So again, I'm very, very 
pleased uh, that you invited me on. And um, anytime you ever want to talk again, I'd be 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 open to that, and it would be an awesome opportunity again. Well, thanks again, Scott. Man, have a great night, and uh, I look forward to getting this video out there. You too. God bless to all the people listening, and Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. So have a great night, Kurt, and everybody. Amen.